cliche, but if you can get out of that comfort zone and take that risk, you probably will reap more of a reward than you expect, but it's hard to take that risk. We are in a society that we self-limit a lot, where we don't see our potential or we don't think that that potential is attainable right now. And we kind of keep pushing it off and pushing it off and pushing it off. Welcome back to another episode of the No More Zero Days podcast. I'm your host, Eric Savage, and today I would like to introduce you to my friend, Dr. Monique Cofino. She's an orthopedic outpatient physical therapist specializing in spinal manipulation and running analysis for the general and fitness forward population. She's launching her new location in Onward Atlanta later this month, and I know you're going to benefit a lot from today's episode if you're into physical fitness at any level. Today we discuss all things physical therapy from the perspective of both the physical therapist side of things and from the patient's perspective. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. So tell me about how did you first get into physical therapy? That's a great question. I have answered that plenty of times. My dad, when, I mean, he's taught me everything from how to ride a bike, how to throw a ball, all of that. And so he was diagnosed with some rare blood disorder. He doesn't even really know what um, what it was, but basically kind of mimics like a post-polio where from his knee down, he just doesn't have sensation, doesn't have feeling, doesn't really have um, blood flow. So he's got a lot of atrophy or muscle wasting in that leg. And growing up, he lived in Puerto Rico and they just said, you're probably never going to be able to walk again. So he had to do intense physical therapy for months um, to learn how to walk. And I'm so thankful for that because he is who taught me everything. Um, Probably made me a little bit too much of a tomboy, (laughs) but I'm still thankful for it. Uh, And so he he told me this story when I was probably 12 or 13 years old and I was like, hmm, physical therapy, that sounds cool. And um, it sparked this interest in my head and then I, I, uh, going through, you know, middle school, high school, love sports and everything like that. And, um, grew a passion for rehab and just seeing, you know, big NFL players getting injured and how the heck are they able to come back and win a national, you know, titles and, and all that stuff. And except if they play for Georgia, no national titles. (laughs) You know, it's been a minute. So maybe the, maybe UGA should just hire me as their lead. <laughs> but anyways, um, and so I actually wanted to go into uh, neuro PT, like helping spinal cord injury patients and stuff like that, uh, learn how to walk because of what I had heard from my dad. Uh, but it wasn't until I actually got into PT school and had a rotation um, in the outpatient orthopedic setting where I said, man, I really love this sport aspect of it. And helping people with general low back pain, but also just helping athletes and stubborn patients who are, will walk 48 miles on a tendinopathy. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so that's where my love kind of came from, was from my dad and then just being able to have conversations like this with patients and, and be really intentional. So spending some time with you, well, in my own physical therapy journey, if you will, I've had like four <laughs> different physical therapists for different things you know, was with you today with some other physical therapists. And then you, of course, as well. I think the blessing and the curse of physical therapy is that it seems like there's very much this baseline, obviously, of like health practices or, you know, if I'm going to 
rehab your arm. We're not, we're not going to do something crazy. But other than that, it's very open-ended. It seems like it's very like not DIY, but you're, you're, there's really a lot of different styles or approaches. So how did you come up with, or how are you still coming up with kind of your style or thought process as it relates to treating patients and with physical therapy? I love that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of custom customized plans and, um, practices that you can do with physical therapy. Um, you can go and, and collect a paycheck and just kind of do your run of the mill type of physical therapy. But that was never my desire. Um, I always think about it as whoever walks into my clinic, they're a person, they're not a number. And so I, I'll never forget my mom had gone to a physical therapy clinic and she, she came back and a little bit misty eyed and said, you know, I just felt like nobody cared. And I'm not, going to spend the time and the money and energy that I have put into having this degree to just do the bare minimum. Um, and I've been blessed with like a blessing and a curse. I've been blessed with really caring about people, maybe to a fault where I, I just want whoever walks into my clinic to feel that. Um, and to know that they're different from your typical rotator cuff injury from their typical knee pain. Um, and so I've, filtered through a lot of, you know, mentor people, people in the leadership um, community for physical therapy of who, who do I believe in and who do I feel like are trying to emulate the same goals? Because I, I sit there and I'm like, I can't be the only physical therapist in the world who says we need to do something different. Um, and so I've thank, thankfully uh, been able to immerse myself in that community and, and you got to meet some of them today um, with Onward, with um, ICE, which is the Institute of Clinical Excellence, and Jeff Moore and just some of these people who we all are, are on the same wavelength. And when we get together, it just amplifies that to tenfold. But I think the biggest thing is it's not hard. I mean, it's a pretty simple practice to say, let's just love one another. Let's just go for the common goal and stop overcomplicating things. Stop looking at the dollar signs. Stop just trying to be in this rat race and rather just say, hey, like, you are my friend, you are my neighbor, and I love you. And if we can get to that baseline and just put in our skills, yeah, put in the technical skills and all of that, but realize that we all have emotions. And I think that's, I mean, in the time that we're in now, I think we forget that. I think we forget that we all are humans and that we are sensitive and and in need of somebody to have that compassion and empathy. And that's what it just comes down for me is that I'm not gonna sit there and look at a patient and say, well, you're probably gonna, you know, let me just give you these five generic exercises. What what I do and what kind of our, our Onward community does is look at you from a whole. And people can say that, you know, other therapy clinics can say, hey, I'm, I'm going to look at you from the whole and we're going to assess everything. But until you feel that emotional connection, I don't know that it truly solidifies, if that makes sense. So that's where I just knew, you know, one, hearing anecdotes from my from my mom from my dad with their physical therapy um, experiences and then going into clinical rotations when I was still in PT school and seeing exactly how I didn't want to practice which that's a blessing um, because then it makes you take makes you not take things for granted and so 
I'm thankful for experiencing those bad experiences because it's made me who I am today and who I continue to hope to become. Um, but really just knowing again that like whoever's walking through your door and into your practice is not a number. Like they are a human soul The who has not just a knee pain. They've got maybe a daughter who, who is going through trouble at school. They've got a husband. Um, they've got stresses at work. Like it is not just their knee, <laughs> you know? And I think taking the time to step back and say, this person's coming to you in a vulnerable state and how can I make them feel safe and know that they are heard and listened to? Because in the medical world, I mean, you go into pretty much almost any doctor and you've got five to 10 minutes with them. Thankfully, we have the blessing in the physical therapy world to, depending on who you go to, have 60 to 75 minutes where you can just tell me what's going on. And, uh, and I think that's a huge blessing that I want to take advantage of that's unique to our practice. You kind of touched on it, and that's this idea or this vision that it's not about numbers, but it's about seeing the patient for who they are and that they're a real person. What do you think separates other physical therapists from actually making that a reality for how they wake up and think about every day? Because I think, you know, me listening or just the everyday person would stereotype most, we'll call it just the overall umbrella, like medical field as like, you probably don't get in that field unless you really want to help people. Sure. So, you know, where, where do people kind of fall off the train? Is it burnout? Is it financial woes or, in, you know, enticing of how can we people get people faster? Like in your opinion, cause I obviously know nothing about <laughs> physical therapy or anything medical, like what, what leads to all of a sudden it's going from this pure intention of, I want to help people to, to not. Yeah. I think you go in to whatever your medical field is young and full of passion and life. And you're just like, I'm ready to, like you said, I'm my, my purpose is to help people. And I think that's pretty much everybody's intention going into school. And I think you're hit with reality when you come out and you go into the work world or the real world. And you just see a lot of one, you see a lot of burnout because whether it be financial burnout where the cost of, um, you know, whatever your grad school tuition is compared to what you're bringing in is, is deflating. Um, I think that's it. I think you go in thinking everything's going to be perfect. And then you're hit with reimbursement of insurance and, and things like that. I think that's baseline where some people kind of get burnt out. But the other thing is we're in a world, we're in a, in a country that's amazing that you have the ability to go out and do your own practice to make your own business but we get stuck in this risk versus reward and so I always say if you can get out of that and it's cliche but if you can get out of that comfort zone and take that risk you probably will reap more of a reward than you expect, but it's hard to take that risk. And so people kind of settle into the safe zone and that's maybe that's financially savvy for them or what, what happens. I think a lot of times it comes down to numbers. Um, but we are in a society that we self limit a lot where we don't see our potential or we don't think that that potential is attainable right now and we kind of keep pushing it off and pushing it off and pushing it off and to be honest I mean I'm blessed that 
I can see silver linings with COVID and in the pandemic that we're in, because that kind of gave me the push to say, you know what, I'm going to attain and, and take that risk to reap the benefit. And the benefit isn't self, isn't just for me. The benefit is to help people get better. To answer kind of where, why is there this divergence? Why is there, why are there some people who want to go that extra mile versus not a, a lot of these bigger companies, right? You feel safe and okay. I know I've got a salary. I know I, I can do this and that, but you get bombarded with, I have all this skill set, but I'm not being supported. And I think that's the biggest thing is just a lack of support system from whatever medical ideology you want to think of, whether it be the insurance, whether it be like insurance reimbursement, whether it be, um, people in your community who either support your aspirations and your goals or not, or if just a lot of conflicting research evidence out there. Um, and so it's kind of an uphill battle. Coming out of physical therapy school, do you feel like that that enabled you to now, you know, take this next step as a, as a true physical therapist? Like, I'm just curious, I know nothing about physical therapy school. So coming out of it, did you feel like you were ready to go straight into the workforce or was this still this element like for me in, in business, and that's all I know is like you go to school and you read a book about business, but in my opinion, it very little, if even 10% prepares you for actually the reality just because the world's moving so fast. Do, was it super helpful? Was it not? Like what's the difference between Monique coming out of physical therapy school and then the Monique that needs to start treating patients? Mm-hmm. Or is there a difference? That's a great question. I Coming out of physical therapy, therapy school, I was blessed because I came out of a school that was very much um, wanting their students to open up their own practice or to be independent, essentially. So coming out, I felt equipped with the skills to do what I do. But I also, a huge part of that was where my clinical rotations were while I was in school. So I was very intentional of picking out what areas one, what types of communities, whether I wanted to be rural, suburban, what have you, and then the setting, so outpatient, inpatient, stuff like that, and making sure that I was set up with a clinical instructor that had my best interest in mind. That I felt like propelled me so much for when I graduated and went into my first job, I was ready. I was ready to go full force. Do I know that other you know students in my class felt the same way? I'm not sure, but I think you put in what you can reap, right? So it's like, I knew I had just spent a crap ton of money in tuition and I wasn't gonna, you know, I knew I needed to pay that back eventually. So I said, I'm gonna put in the work. Uh, so there was that driving force as well. But yeah, I felt I felt prepared for sure after PT school. Um, and I think a huge part of that was just because of where I went to PT school. This is just an ignorant question, but I'm curious because this is my show and I can ask whatever, that's, <laughs> that's the best part of it. Do you, do you know why like all medical degrees or even specifically like PT school is so expensive? Cause I just, I know that this is a topic being talked about as a whole in the U S of just, we'll call it the cost of higher education as a whole. And everyone I've talked to or even know, or even all of us listening stereotypically would be like, Oh, if this person's a dentist or a doctor or a physical therapist, I bet they have like six digits of, you know, debt. And, the, and then it just like leaps out of our mind. Like that's normal, you know? And I'm like, I would be like, freaking out if I had, you know, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars in debt. But why is it so expensive? Do you know? That's a great question. You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I have 
ideas of why and maybe they're a little harsh. I do, to an extent, think it's a little bit of a scam. They, it's not sustainable at all. I mean, people are not going to keep being, you know, they're, the cost of living keeps going up. The norm, like you said, yeah, the norm is people come out 150, 200 grand in student loan debt. Um, and they're just like, well, I, this is what I want to do. This is what my passion is. So if this is what it costs, this is what it costs. I don't think, I think that they're going to eventually have to do something different. And I don't know how that looks. I don't know even the timeline that that would take. But what's different with PT is that you know, you come out most of the time now that it's a doctorate program, six figures in student loan debt, but your salary is nowhere near that. Versus if you're a dentist or an MD or something like that, your salary somewhat matches. So unfortunately, I think the physical therapy realm is because it is oversaturated. So you've got a bunch of people who are physical therapists with a doctorate degree and also six figures in student loan debt and not making a whole ton of money, it, it's going to outrun its course eventually. And what I pray and hope is that these younger PTs don't get burnt out too quickly and just succumb to, well, here's a paycheck. You know, and I think that's the uphill battle that we're fighting is at the end of the day, yes, debt sucks. But if you lose sight of what your purpose is because of the number figure or the dollar sign behind that debt, you're never, you're just going to downward spiral. And so that's what I try, because yes, you could say you freak out about it, but I know when I rest my head at night, I'm doing what I really love, and I pray that everything I put into it will reap the benefit to outweigh the debt, (laughs) if that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, I don't know why it's so expensive. It needs to change. How much of kind of online culture has shaped physical therapy and I guess the little background of this question is you know there's been all sectors of we'll just call it organized knowledge and there's kind of this feeling that all of a sudden this kind of like internet age has kind of almost like pulled back the curtain if you will the Wizard of Oz of like aha really these people didn't know as much as you think like come watch my YouTube video and rather than you know spending $300 week in physical therapy and you can get the same and you know, some of that's been good and, and innovated businesses and forced things to change. And some of that I think is bad because there are people that have legitimate medical degrees that, you know, need to be uh, the ones servicing legitimate medical needs rather than watching some, you know, going to WebMD and feeling like, oh, I can treat myself. And then you cause yourself harm or whatever. But especially with physical therapy, just from my own experience of just knowing that it is such a day to day diagnosis and understanding of either, ooh, we need to spend more time on this area or like we can actually accelerate this or we can push a little harder. So in your opinion, how much has the internet, if at all, you know, or even this age of social media impacted for better or for worse or both physical therapy? That's like a three-folder. Good and bad on both ends. Obviously, social media is a great platform to promote ourselves. What I don't love is that bit of, okay, I'll post a video saying, these are the five best exercises for knee rehab or everything you thought about squatting below parallel or or below your knee has been disproven. I think if we keep trying to fight each other and disproving, oh, we we had this belief 20 years ago and now it's totally wrong. I think we start to mess up the validity and credibility of our therapy 
profession. So that's just within intra physical therapist. If we keep fighting back on each other and posting these posts about, oh, this is the best way to treat low back pain. Don't do what you were doing before. I think there's a lot of miscommunication there. The thing from a physical therapist standpoint that's really hard is let's say you go and get an x-ray of your back and your, your radiologist or your doctor comes back and says, um, you know, looks like one of your vertebrae is pushed slightly forward. You, you may have a spondylolisthesis or something like that. The first thing you're gonna do when you get in your car is hit Google and be like, what the heck is a spondylolisthesis? And you freak out, right? And so from that end, I think that the internet age and that has disproven because now you've got in your mind that you have a bad back. And I will say this all the time, I, I, I don't love when people say I have a bad back or I have a bad knee or I have a bad ankle because you don't have, because it's something that in the, your doctor has told you or your x-ray has told you and your image is not yourself. There's so much more that goes into whatever's going on with your back and your knee. And so from the internet side, from the social media side of things, um, that has hurt us because now we have to redo or undo the damage and say, okay, I get that this is what it may look like on your image, but let me tell you all the tissues that play into this role, all the other biomechanics and everything, or how your knee can affect your hip, can affect your back, and, and so forth. But from the flip side of that, the good side of that, is now maybe you're scrolling through Instagram and I'm posting something and maybe somebody reposted something I posted or, or whatever and I can get to you or my content can get to you before that knee or that back pain gets worse because you can do some of these rehab exercises. But like I told you, you know, every back pain isn't the same. So what may help somebody else may not help you. And so there's, there's lots of pros and cons to it. I think you're seeing lately, especially with with the pandemic and COVID, physical therapists have had to turn a lot to telehealth or to using social media to help people with their exercises at home because they can't come into a clinic or, or what have you. And um, that's, been, that's been a huge boost and a huge benefit. And I think during this whole pandemic, you're going to see a lot of leadership pros and cons. So if if you're following um you know whoever you like to follow for exercises or rehab stuff and they're putting out some quality content during this time and not asking for any monetary value in return you're probably following the right people you know because you know that their value or, or what they're looking for is f- just for you to get better and not really wanting something in return along those same lines i think one of the kind of growing popular trends is you know, people love to follow their certain, uh, we'll just call them gym instructor. That's probably not the greatest term trainer. If you have, or I just think of like these people selling these like workout routines and I'm not dogging them at all. I'm just bringing up a, like a growing trend. I feel like in the Instagram world is, you know, I see it a lot. Uh, you know, it's whether these guys and girls have these download my workout program at home, whatever. And from the ones that I've seen, like very little people are ever actually talking about the idea of like warming up or stretching and everything's like, let's just go straight into it. Everything about our life prior to COVID, you know, is all about on the go, on the go, quick, quick, quick. How can I get the most bang for my buck in 10, 15 minute workouts? Like, you know, hit workout is like the way to go. 
what do you think is the impact? And I'm not trying to lead you by any way in a certain direction answering this question. I'm just curious in your opinion of this idea of like, how can we go like faster, harder, shorter periods of time, but no real thought process. I think of some of these people that again, not dogging them to have these great looking bodies and this physique, but I don't know if they have that background of understanding like, Oh, maybe, you know, I'm over, overdoing it in the program on the upper body, or this could lead to, you know, I've done CrossFit and I've seen people that don't stretch and they blow out, you know, something because they're, they're, they don't realize that they think it's a different movement, but really they're working the same, you know, muscles day after day and they don't realize it. So what's the impact you think of people that are kind of, again, leading into this age of kind of the DIY it's, it's about craft brew brands, you know, versus the domestics of all aspects of our life of it's all about finding the specific person that speaks to me, but, but not really understanding the formal side of actual training and physical therapy and what's the impact. I think motion is always lotion. So I would rather see somebody move than sit behind a desk for eight hours a day and whether they're doing it with correct form or not. I mean, if they are moving, they're, they're doing something better than just staying sedentary. So I I don't mind, you know, people kind of capitalizing, especially nowadays on putting out these movement programs or these, and and that's what I call it as a movement program rather than, than an exercise program, because I want people to just love movement, to love being able to get out and experience. I mean, we're sitting here on a beautiful sunny day, right? Going outside and doing one of those home work from home programs, the the risk of injury from sitting and doing nothing versus the risk of injury from watching one of these, you know, DIY home exercise programs is so, it's so much more if you're just sitting and doing nothing. I mean, your muscles are, will obviously weaken, um, but in the pressure of, of, again, sitting and having all that force through your spine is more detrimental and morbidly there's studies that show uh, it truly takes years off of your life. So I love that we're kind of becoming the society and maybe I'm biased in believing that we're trying to implement a healthier lifestyle. Um, So I love it. Is there, of course, a risk with somebody who hasn't ever worked out in their life and then they go and do CrossFit. Yeah, they're probably going to get injured if they're not doing some sort of warm up, whether that be a walking, an active stretch or something like that. Um, Or just saying, oh, you know, I'll hit the treadmill for five minutes before and do a high intensity exercise. Yeah, there's totally a risk there. And I would hope that more and more of these exercise uh, or, or movement programs would come out and say, hey, it's super easy to do a 10-minute interval, whether it be, you know, one-minute walk, two-minute jog, or what have you, to get some blood pumping. But again, the risk just, it's its so much more beneficial just to move. Um, our joints can become sticky with, with prolonged, just stagnant positions. Uh, and so I kind of love, I mean, I honestly, I love that 
a lot of people have tried to capitalize, whether it be monetary or whether it just be sheer genuine care to get people more active. Um, I've loved it because the something I live by is motion is lotion. You'll probably hear a lot of physical therapists say that too. Um, but my favorite, my favorite quote, and I learned this from Jeff Moore who learned it from somebody else, but um, is that stronger people are harder to kill. <laughs> and I love that. Because if we become stronger and stronger and more resilient um, as a society, we will be harder to kill. And I mean, you see with COVID, it's affecting the people who, um, you know, have some sort of comorbidity, uh, whether it be diabetes or high blood pressure. And, th and that could be a direct result of being inactive or, or making unhealthy lifestyle choices. And so resilience is so key in moving more. Um, and so I love it. You just touched on it, which it was going to be my next question about kind of the impact of COVID. I feel like you hit it there. But so I want to go along the same lines with a different question of, you know, I even think in my own fitness journey, because I've always been either really, really fit or really, really fat and never in between. Like I'm either on it or not. And because um, that's just kind of my personality. But, uh, you know, again, you're on the No More Zero Days podcast. It's not about either being zero or 100, but learning to live in the middle. So the question I want to pose to you is, since literally the world, and that's not, you know, an exaggeration, that's literally the world has been stuck indoors for these, you know, past goodness, like six, six months. And people are going to come out of this because it could be another six months, it could be another year, we don't know, or people are slowly like looking at themselves in the mirror and being like, oh my God, like I've got to go work out or do something. Uh, and I, and I know this is kind of a loaded question, but I'm just going to let you answer however you want. What do you think is the difference between someone that is just out of shape and has been sitting still for six months and working out versus someone that's legitimately in pain and should stop, you know, that workout, you know, program or, or take a step back? Just because I, I think that even I know from my experience, uh, you know, grew up competitive running, uh, had a small offer from a, you know, a D3 college to go run college. Um, so what I'm trying to say is like, I know through experience the difference between hey, like, I just slept weird and I'm sore versus like, hey, this is a legitimate pain. But I don't think the everyday person knows that at all. So as a physical therapist, like, what advice would you give to people knowing the difference between, hey, I need to stop this immediately and, and hey, keep going? Just because, again, I think we're all living in this society right now where people are putting certain people on pedestals that are very much motivational and, like, push through the pain, keep going. And, again, a lot of that's good because I subscribe to a lot of those people, but just when it comes to physical in your body, I think that there's a very fine line you have to walk. Sure. I always used to be the, um, the physical therapist who actually would be, uh, trying to push people more because some, sometimes people, if they have a little twinge in their knee, right, they think, okay, just rest and that, that should take care of everything, which is not always true. The, it's so, it is a loaded question. It's so complicated with just the tendons and, and whatever type of collagen fibers or whatever tissue you're dealing with, how much load is appropriate to realign that collagen fiber um, when there's some sort of injury. That, that is science and that, that can't go disproven. So I, I would always, regrettably, probably push people a little bit too much through that pain. And now I've realized that people actually, there's a lot of people addicted to movement and they just move too much. And then I have to reel them back in and say, whoa, okay, rest actually is okay. So it depends on which person you're dealing with, right? You've got that 
whoever, let's just call her Jane, who had a little tweak in her low back and says, oh, I have to, I can't do any movement of anything for four weeks, right? And that's probably not a healthy mindset to adopt. We, life goes through trials and tribulations and I'm glad for those trials because then they make me stronger, right? I'm not going to just succumb to that and say, oh, I give up. But then you've got Joe over here who is lifting 400 pounds of whatever, let's call it a deadlift or a squat, and he's got nine out of 10 pain, and he says, oh, I can just push through it, you know? We should probably reel back that person. The What I love um, that we have started to kind of adopt is kind of like a 48 hour rule. So if I'm working out, if I have a little bit discomfort and let's just call that a four out of 10 pain. And of course that's subjective and that varies from person to person, but let's say we're four out of 10 pain. We're in the safe zone. If that resolves the next day and I've got some muscle soreness, hell yeah, I want to feel some muscle soreness. (laughs) Like I want to know that I worked out the muscle group that I was trying to work out. Um, but if that increases, let's say over that 48 hours and, and whether it's just, I'm sitting at a desk or I'm going to the grocery store or what have you, then that kind of lets me and the patient know, Hey, we probably overtrained a little bit there and let's dial it back. There's a great, um, there's a great, I mean, there's so many, but, uh, of those wearable adaptive watches now. And one of them that I've, you know, been kind of immersed to is called the whoop. And I <laughs> see, so you know what that is. Um, and so what's cool about that is it can predict uh, if you're overtraining or undertraining, if you're in basically the green zone or the yellow zone or the red zone of am I training correctly. Um, but then outside of just data and hard, you know, hard data saying, hey, we're doing good because you're looking at sleep, you're looking at nutrition. There's so many factors that go into what is my recovery really going to be at? What is my resting heart rate? What is my heart rate variability? All these other things that come into rehab, injury prevention, all of that. There's this whole other sector of it, of basically the pain science world of if I'm having a stressful day, my right knee probably is gonna hurt a little bit more because my nervous system is already heightened. So again, it comes back to, as a physical therapist, Jane comes into me and says, I've got some low back pain. Well, Jane, what else has been going? I mean, we're in a pandemic, so I'm sure you're probably stressed. <laughs> Is What other factors have changed in tweaking everything to, to that individual? So it's so hard, and that's what is hard as a physical therapist. You have a family member come up to you and say, you have, I have low back pain. What should I do for it? And you're like, gosh, I wish I could answer it that quickly. <laughs> it's, it's so much more into that, but knowing if I can feel a little bit of discomfort, I'm probably making some muscle group stronger. Right. But again, teetering it to that three to four out of 10 pain below scale. Um, and knowing that it doesn't increase over, increase over time. If it increases over time, lower, lower the weight, modify. There's so many different modifications that you can quickly Google. And, and sometimes as a physical therapist, we get weary of that because it depends, of, of course, who's putting the content out. Are they, are they a value, you know, reliable resource or, or what have you? But um, it's so multifactorial of, of 
pain. <laughs> I wish it was straightforward. That would make my job a lot easier. But, um, but yeah, I, I think pushing through too much pain where it alters something, whether it alter how you're walking the next two to three days, whether it alter how you're able to sit comfortably and things like that. Yeah, let's reel that back. Let's modify that. Again, you, if you've got a chronic uh, tendinopathy or some sort of tendon issue, there's probably where the loading of that tissue, those, those fibers haven't been aligned appropriately over time. And so you could be doing more damage than not. But again, yeah, super variant. That's the, that's the typical PT question. How much of physical therapy do you think is proactive versus reactive? Because I think that myself included and everybody listening, when you think of physical therapy, it's like, oh, someone just got in an accident or I just broke X, Y, Z or whatever. So I need to go to physical therapy. But is there any elements that could be proactive, meaning ongoing, doing yourself, and it's not just reacting to something bad that happens? Or are there certain things or pillars of physical therapy that you would recommend everyone listening that they should be doing on a daily basis on that proactive level? Or is there nothing that can, is proactive about physical therapy? The one thing with physical therapy that kind I mean, it gets under my skin is that people think that you only see us after an injury. We are so big on preventative and wellness. And so, no, I'm not just somebody who deals with your sprains and your back pain or, or your strains or what have you. I want to get you to adopt healthy lifestyles, and that can be anywhere from diet, sleep, stress, um, psychological. No, I'm not a psychiatrist, but checking in on these multi-segmental boxes that encompass your daily life is so proactive, right? Um, and, and again, goes back to social media of, of a lot of physical therapists putting out their content to be in that proactive phase of saying, hey, are you feeling a little bit of, um, you know, a hip pinch when you're squatting? Okay, let me show you some things to alleviate that. So you're not loading more and more weight on a, on a hip that maybe is not ready for that. Um, I want, you know, I would love for your listeners to know that you don't just have to see a physical therapist after an injury, um, because we have a lot of content to prevent that. And, and again, it's, it's daily movement. Um, getting somebody to have that motion is lotion beforehand will probably more than likely prevent them from having a more sinister injury later on. So whether that be changing your ergonomics or something like that, um, I, I would love for it to be more of a 50-50 split between proactive and reactive. So again, I know this is probably another lo- loaded question, but this is the million dollar question of kind of wrapping everything we've talked about so far in a bow of, so when I'm out online, when I'm on Instagram, when I'm whatever, how can I discern from the people that are faking it, like they actually know what they're talking about, and how can I, you know, trust this person and trust the advice of physical therapy or exercising that they're giving me? Are there any signs, in your opinion, that are automatic, like, run, or automatic, like, buys, or you can trust this person? Just because I think deep down that's what all of us are doing when we talked about earlier, you said, you know, Hey, you go to the the doctor or the physical therapist and they say, okay, well, here's your problem. Then you immediately get to your car and you Google, well, what does that mean? Or what are some other things I should be thinking about? So I I just think as a whole society for better, but 
in my opinion, mainly for worse when it comes to some of this medical stuff is like people are being very distrusting of the advice that they're getting, or they may go to you and, you know, you say to do one thing, but then, then they go to physical therapist, Steve, and he says, well, actually don't do that, do this thing. So how can, how can we help people if, if you do have any answers to this, like discern right from wrong? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's frustrating, right? Being told, 20 million different things as a patient to say, well, what, what the heck do I believe? I think if you have a social media account, whether it be a trainer, whether it be a physio, whether it be a Cairo, whether it be somebody, and you really trust and you love the content that they're putting out, see who they follow, right? And maybe follow that those people. I'm biased. I mean, I'll, I'll put my shameless plug in here. I love Institute of Clinical Excellence. I love Onward. Um, I love uh, Evidence in Motion. Those people are always putting out solid content now or or the barbell physio um some of that is geared more so towards the physical therapist community so they talk in a jargon that right that i would understand or other physios would understand but they also put out content too for the for the patient starting kind of there uh i think can give a person person confidence, but it also comes back to what relationships do you have? So let's just take, for instance, I go to a physio and, you know, they're staring at their computer the whole time or something like that. And, and I don't really feel engaged. Um, and I go to another one and they're super detail oriented over hearing my needs or, and not even hearing my, my 30 minute story of how I got to this low back pain. Um, but just hearing me out and then asking that physio, like knowing who in your local community, if, if you trust that person, well, how are they getting their content? Who are they getting their content out from? And you'll know a good physio if they are willing to share that, that wealth of knowledge. I think when you go into, I mean, Instagram is pretty much the biggest thing right now as far as promoting anything. Um, and you see a lot of passive treatments. So that would be your modalities such as like ultrasound or they're only, they're only posting stuff out about how laying on a treatment table, getting some soft tissue massage or I love dry needling. I, I mean, you know, I'd love dry needling. That is a great modality. But if I'm only posting about dry needling and I'm not saying, hey, let me, let me you should do some dry needling and then load, right? That's a that's an account I want to follow. My red flags are if I see just corny, corny stuff, you know. But my my red flags are if there's they're only putting out content that's passive. So again, that's doing foam rolling or taping or things like that because our bodies aren't um, they aren't meant to rely on stuff like that. They're meant to be loaded. We're meant to move. We're meant to be strong human beings. I mean, you look at the Olympic level of athletes and you're like, how the heck can that body do that sort of thing? It's because that's what we were, we were built to move and to be strong. So if you follow a content or you see a physio who is promoting movement and promoting movement in a progressive manner, so saying, you know, let's start with a dowel rod and for a squat and then load it to a little bit heavier. Hey, if that's too much, here's how you can regress. And a physio just not being afraid to release that content and not hold stuff in, right? Because I don't want to hold my knowledge in to the general population because what good is that doing the general population? Um, And then see, like a lot of physios have their business account and then they'll have their personal account and their personal account 
will typically be public, follow their public account and see, are they more personal on that public account? What are they doing on a Saturday night? You know, um, those are who I tend to, to gravitate to, but it's a lot of filtering. I mean, it's a lot of filtering out. I don't want to jump on my Facebook or my Instagram and see 20 million different, um, variations of how to get some thoracic extension. So again, the shameless plug <laughs> of, um, I mean, Jeff Moore, Zach Long, um, Onward, um, EIM, ICE, I mean, these are all great, great Instagram accounts of just people who generally want to do the right thing. Lastly, I just want to wrap up this conversation because, well, A, I'm just going to give a shout out because people can't see, but Steve deserves boyfriend <laughs> of like the 2020 awards. So shout out Steve. Hopefully you guys keep going because if not, this is awkward. You come back and listen to him and be like, oh, I, I hate that. Steve's like, I remember that time. Well, you can go listen to the episode. She made me sit there. So I, I, I hope for all of this that you guys continue and progress this relationship. But We will. Uh, I want to just talk about this next step in your career because I think it's really cool. Uh, with Onward, uh, if you guys haven't figured out, she keeps referencing Onward. But I want you to tell a little bit about that story because I think it's a really cool step for you. And I, I'm just curious to unpack, like, what's led you to this decision? What are you most excited about? Just what does this mean for your clients or potential clients? Like, what are you excited to offer? Just your approach, just all things Onward. Oh, thank you. Um, yes, thank you, Steve. He is. He's quite the gem. <laughs> Um, so onward Alf Atlanta, um, we'll be in Alpharetta just outside of, uh, the perimeter of Atlanta. We'll be opening up, um, August 17th with kind of a soft, uh, open date and then a hard open date on August 31st. And this is something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to run my own clinic, um, because I feel so passionate about implementing quality patient care and starting with the patient, not starting with any sort of ego or not starting with, um, you know, a, a mill factory of let me get a patient in, let me get a patient out, let me see how much, you know, money I can make. That doesn't matter at all to me. Um, it's, I knew I wanted to run my own clinic when I was in PT school and was able to see how I didn't want to do physical therapy and how I did and was under such great mentorship, uh, such a blessing at UGA um, to just see the difference in patient care. But not only just patient care, obviously developing these amazing relationships with people, but getting them better quicker. At the end of the day, right? I love what I do. I could do physical therapy every day for the rest of my life. But probably somebody who's coming to see me wants to get out. <laughs> you know, they want to get in and out quickly. Um, and I understand that. And I'm so excited to offer basically a uh, something different, right? A lot of PT facilities you go into, and it's not to knock them. It, 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 I understand it from an economic standpoint. But a lot of PT facilities, you're seeing two to three patients at the same time, right? And you just typically, you cannot deliver quality care that way because you can't give one-on-one -on -one attention. So with Onward, our, we're the same culture, state to state. Um, and so we just 
want so much to have that one-on-one patient quality care. I mean, you've got my full undivided attention for the amount of time that we are together. And what that helps to do is to really intricately look at the details of one, not only your movement, but all factors of life to find the root cause of what is causing your pain because like we discussed earlier it can become it can come from so many different things and we're not going to find that in a 15 minute evaluation right that's going to take an hour that's going to take an hour you know 75 minutes 90 minutes to really truly figure that then to put out that fire right to put out whatever is causing the root cause of your pain or your dysfunction but to get you back to not not just back to normal but to get you better because again we want to prevent injury Um, And that goes back to the proactive versus reactive. Um, And so I'm so excited to be in an Alpharetta location, again, one-on-one treatment, where you come in and, yeah, let's, let's calm down the pain, but let's get you strong. Let's get you strong and more mobile and moving um, because a better you is a better life, as corny as that may sound, but... If you're feeling good, right, then you're able to go back into your job and have less stress to do your job better, to go back to your family, to be the the dad or the mom that you want to be because you don't have this nagging, irritating pain, to play that extra hour of ball with your kid. I mean, that's what I look at is I know you're not just here for knee pain. I know you're not just here for shoulder pain, for neck pain, for headaches. There's so much more that goes into that. Um, And so I think sitting with the clientele and and having that personal conversation, like how we are having here, um, and being able to eliminate pain. I mean, at the end of the day, I know that that's whatever my patient goal, my patient's goals are, whether that's simply eliminating pain, whether that's being able to run a marathon, whether that's being able to just sit at my job and not have back pain. I, I, I love being able to focus on those goals and achieve them quickly, right? <laughs> Again, you don't want to be there for four months. So I'm excited. Um, my, I, I've been blessed with to be surrounded with a team that truly we all think alike. And so building that culture is awesome. All right, last question. And every guest gets the same exact question. So as you know, I kind of told you earlier before we, we pressed record, but the No More Zero Days podcast is all about this idea that a zero day is where you get nothing done. And so I really realized in my life what led me to starting this podcast was I really was living in this today's either zero or we're getting nothing done. You know, if I was on a diet, actually, you would have a piece of candy in the office. And all of a sudden I was like, well, it's out the window for the day. Let's, you know, who wants to go to Taco Bell and get Margs or, you know, whatever. And then who wants pizza for dinner, you know, and then I'll start back tomorrow. Uh, But it's really a dangerous mentality, in my opinion, to live in that. It's either fully on or or fully off. And so I think especially in, in the year 2020 during this pandemic, I think it's very hard for any of us to get that you know, in air quotes, a hundred day. And, you know, for the best of us, maybe 50 is the new a hundred. But I think when we look back over this pandemic or just this week or whenever, whoever you're listening to us in five years, three years from now, you know, if you would look back over the course of time and if you, you know, you put a five on the board today and a 15 and a a two and then an 80, like you're going to move the ball forward. And I think that that's, you know, how God designed us to live is in this you know, just doing the best we can for today, or at least that's what I tell myself, but it can't be a zero as long as it's not a zero where we just throw everything out the window. So 
The last question is, and I purposely leave this very vague and very open so you can take it where you want to, but what advice would you give to this person, whether it's uh, an imaginary physical therapy patient, it's another doctor of physical therapy, it's, I don't know, whoever you want to address this to, but what advice would you give to that person that's stuck in that zero-day mentality and feel like they just can't get it, you know, out of that mentality of man, it's, you know, it's either nothing or everything. And, you know, I just keep getting stuck on nothing. Like how, what advice would you give to that person? I think it's, it's cliche and almost wrong to say, oh, take a little chip off, right? Just do a little bit each day, you know, and then a little bit will equal more and more. Great mentality, but that's not going to fit for everybody. Again, with, with exercises, right? If I'm saying, I want you to do CrossFit stuff and you have no interest in CrossFit stuff, it's not going to be personalized to you and you're not going to enjoy it. Find, and again, it's hard to, to say, right? Find the thing that brings you joy because you may not have discovered that yet. So you're like, well, yeah, that's simple. I would have done that any, I would have done that 20, 20 days ago out of my 100 days. But God ordained us to know what our purpose is. And you may not figure that out till you're 50. You may have figured that out when you're 12. But whether you have an inclination of striving and striving and striving towards that purpose, that's what's going to give you that no zero days. And, you know, I've been blessed to know what that purpose is. But what has sucked is that during this pandemic, I wasn't able to fulfill that purpose for three to four months. I mean, I, I, our clinic shut down. And... That took a really hard hit on me because I felt like my purpose was taken away from me and I had no control over it. And that was really hard. So you're forced to have that creative mindset of saying, well, I can't do it the traditional way that I thought that I could. So let me find a different outlet to, to figure out my purpose. And that propels you to, to see your potential and say, oh, I didn't know that I could. I didn't know that I could be a boss. Like, I didn't know that I could do more than I thought I could. But to have no zero days, I would love people to to write it. I mean, honestly, I'm more of somebody who's visual. To write down, hey, my purpose is this. Or it doesn't even have to be that concrete to say, I think my purpose is this. And zero in on that. And strive more and more towards it but forgive yourself above everything else because a lot of times if we're setting the bar too high and we can't reach it and this is a lot of athletes right they're setting that bar they're setting that bar and then they don't reach it and they fall into some sort of depression it's like give yourself that grace give yourself that forgiveness that if you don't hit that zero day that doesn't mean you can't pick it up the next day learn to love yourself as cliche and simple as that is the experts do the basics well. So do the basics well. Love yourself. Know that you are perfect in God's eyes. Forgive yourself. And know that it's okay to be okay. I don't think that we should. I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I, I, and I try so hard to know, to repeat to myself every day, it's okay to be okay. It's okay to not hit everything. But if you're not striving for something then you're just going to be at zero day every day.